This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week it is Pro Day Mania. We start the first of two episodes breaking down the quarterback options at three. And with me this week to tell us how many cartwheels he can do in a row, it's David Newman. Mm, I think at least six. That's that's an aggressive number. That's, I mean... That's that's hard. I feel like I can do six. I feel like there's a dizziness factor that you're failing to consider here. Give me enough space. No, that's what, yeah. I'm, that's what, I mean, I'm I'm thinking about. It. I'm considering it. Whether I'm considering <laughs> it accurately uh, is a different story. But it's there. It's in the brain. So I I don't know if you saw uh, anything about Mac Jones's pro day, but he his center apparently bombed his post uh, his post pro day presser where he's on a microphone, and it's just his center just starts like cartwheeling multiple cartwheels right in the background. <laughs> and he, I mean, and apparently this guy had just gotten off of ACL surgery like months ago and he's over here doing cartwheels much I'm sure to his physical therapist chagrin, but it is, you know, all, all the mania today, all of the stuff. I mean, I had people who don't follow football, new, brand new coworkers are like, are you watching the combine today? I'm like, uh, you mean the pro days? <laughs> No, I'm not watching the pro days because no reasonable human being changes much of their eval based on pro days. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what, like, don't get me wrong. It's fun seeing, you know, Justin Fields had to go and do, I mean, because Wilson, you know, had that throw that everybody was was losing their mind about where he's kind of rolling left and, and just kind of like falling away, throws it 60 yards in the air or whatever the fuck it was. Um, and, and so fields had to go basically try and do the exact same thing and, and yep. do it pretty successfully. And it was fun. So it's like, it's fun seeing those. I mean, it's like, Oh shit. Okay. That's like an impressive throw, but yeah, you're not changing anything like based like what, what you see when you watch them actually play football during games is the part that matters. And I, you know, me being the kind of like, wait, am I sure is, am I just now like the old jaded guy that's like. Oh, like no one cares about pro days, but like it actually is kind of a big deal. So I actually emailed Dan, Dan Hatman, the director of scouting at the Scouting Academy uh, and, and wonderful, wonderful human being worked in the front office, of, I think three different franchises. So he's got insight when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I asked him, I was like, so ha- did pro days really change any evaluators report? And he's like, no, not really. He's like, it's they're fun. But yeah. he's like, o- outside of some of the measurables, not that big of a deal. He said private workouts, though, usually do impact things quite a bit because that's where the coaches can say, you know what, we haven't seen this skill a whole hell of a lot on tape. So let's see it in the in the private workout. And, and there are no private workouts allowed now because of COVID. 
So this is, I think, maybe what's driving some of the secondary pro day or second pro day things. Because Justin Fields is doing a second pro day. This is Mac Jones' second pro day. I, and, and Shanahan in the presser said specifically, we've talked to the agents to try to set up another pro day. You've got to believe that it's like, hey, agent, let's set up another pro day. And if maybe you could do some drills that looked at, you know, I don't know, Mac Jones' ability to roll out to see if he's not a statue, that would be good. Uh, and so in a world where you can't do private workouts, I think maybe these other pro days feed or, or meet some of that uh, that need. Right. I, I don't think that it, it, it's necessarily like the pro days, even in a normal year. Right. I think like obviously this year it's a bit different because this is the only avenue that we've got to get um, any sort of measurables and and things like that. Like and, and so when these guys are running, even though you know, it's not going to be the same and it's not going to be directly comparable to what these guys would be doing. If they're, you know, running forties and doing all these drills at the combine, it's not going to be as, um, you know, consistent as that and, and have those official times. Like it's, it's the only thing that we've got right to get an idea. And so there's still some value in that obviously. And then, yeah, I think depending on, you know, what guys are doing for the pro days and, and whether they're, you know, scripted or like, you know, you're kind of mentioning there where it's like, Hey, like coaches have mentioned, we want to see some things here that maybe we didn't feel like we got to see quite enough of, um, you know, in, in tape, like sure. I'm, uh, there's value there. It's just shouldn't be enough to like, if you thought a guy was incredible when you watched his tape, you're not going to a pro day where he kind of doesn't have a great day and you shouldn't be changing your evaluation of him significantly. Right. I mean, I don't know. Johnny Manziel doing his pro day in full shoulder pads and helmet completely changed the game. You, I mean, it, the Don't game, forget about the brooms getting whacked at. The game's never been the same ever <laughs> since that moment. Ever since that moment. Let's, let's talk about what we're going to do in this episode and our next episode because I, I'm super excited about these next two episodes because it's real, man. We talked about it on the emergency pod before it was like we were going to watch some quarterbacks in case shit happened. Well, shit happened. And now <laughs> we're here. I am excited. I've got my shot in a beer, a boiler maker, if you will. Uh, I've got some Russell's Reserve. I've got some Live Oak Pills. We're ready. We're fired up. We're going to do this. All right. Let's uh, go. The, the approach typically that we take is, is we take it down in a really structured way, and we talk to you about where each player wins, what things that player can do to improve, maybe some other questions that, that come up as we're watching that film. We thought about this being a, a really interesting time for the 49ers, and so rather than talking about each individual player we thought we'd have just more of a natural conversation about these two players what we notice when we watch the film and ultimately compare them as we're talking about them and we'll talk about two quarterbacks in this episode zach wilson and justin fields to give each quarterback and the discussion around each one enough time to really breathe and to talk about all the things that we noticed on film and then next week we will do trey lance and mac jones we are not doing trevor lawrence because as david said on the emergency pod if somehow he is available at three, <laughs> then the entire pod is just fucking do it. Like it is a night. Don't ask ad. questions. Celebrate. It's just, it's going to be <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. Uh, or if for some reason, you know, like uh, Trey Lance goes first overall and then Trevor Lawrence goes second, right? That, that still means that someone like, you know, Zach Wilson or what you still get your option of these players, but you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be one of the first two quarterbacks taken. Uh, I can guarantee that. Put your yeah. money on that, if not the first, <laughs> right? Um, so let's start first about, uh, let's start first talking about what we've learned about Shanahan and Lynch's thinking about quarterbacks, because this has been, you know, really the, the kind of dominant theme in the national media 
over the last couple of days, especially, you know, with, with Daniel Jeremiah saying that he thinks that he, the, the prevailing sentiment among NFL decision makers and people that have texted him is that this move is for Mac Jones. And, and we're not going to talk about Mac Jones specifically in this podcast, but I do think we've learned a little bit about what Shanahan and Lynch um, want out of their quarterback. And I think if we take a couple of nuggets out of that press conference that they had earlier this week, we can put together a really good framework when when you add it to the stuff that we know about Shanahan and what he's done in the past. Because um, I think that this move to trade up is really interesting. And it's one that they said that they felt more comfortable making because of their success in free agency. Um, they wanted to basically like see how free agency went. And if they basically, it was really interesting to hear them effectively say that if they swung and missed in free agency, then it was like, then maybe we just kind of have a gap year. And and that gap year, we treat a little differently than if we actually felt we had the pieces to compete. They were really honest about yeah. saying like, we didn't expect to be able to sign all these players back. And we did. And we were kind of surprised by that. And so we're like, shit, let's actually, let's actually do something here to, to actually to, to keep this going, to keep the window open. I thought that was hilariously interesting. It's, it's kind of weird though, right? That like how much, because some of the other things that they talked about, you know, specific to Jimmy Garoppolo and, and kind of this idea that they can have the bol- the best of both worlds, right? That they can have the guy in Jimmy right now that probably gives them the best chance to win based on the available options that they had for the 2021 season, right? That they could do that. And that seems to kind of more tie into like keeping him around would seem to tie more closely with the free agent success, right? Because he's your win now guy, right? And and so if suddenly free agency doesn't go to plan, Trent Williams leaves, you you don't get to re-sign some of these guys and suddenly you're not looking as competitive as you hoped in 2021. Well, then the, the, the part that you would think you would change is like, okay, well, maybe we just fucking get rid of Jimmy now and get what we can for him now, knowing that we're not going to compete in 2021, right? But you would still think that you want to go up and get your quarterback that you're, you're planning is your long-term option, right? So, like, it, it was kind of interesting to see that, like, that was kind of maybe... Like the, the free agent success there kind of maybe pushed them a little bit harder to do the trade when it would seem to almost be the opposite, right? Well, I think sense. it goes, you know, it makes perfect sense. And I think it goes in line with this kind of inverse aggressiveness index that, that Shanahan seems to employ on fourth downs. It's like you would think if you're the underdog, you, you want to go for more fourth downs because you want more variance, right? But he's not going to go for more fourth downs unless he's sure that he can get them. So it's this kind of certainty that he needs in order to, to make that move. And maybe in this case, it's like, oh, well, now maybe I do have to make a move because now I do, I have a good team for 2021, but I also have a core for 2022 because Trent Williams is going to be there and, you know, I'm going to have Fred Warner locked up. And so now I, I do have something to lose in terms of roster stability. I think the other thing that he said that was really interesting is that he was fine with three of the quarterbacks and felt that the top of the quarterback class had five guys that were all in that top group. I think he didn't he didn't say any names, but I would be surprised if those five quarterbacks were not the top five quarterbacks that everyone's talked about, you know, the ones that, that we're going to have four of. And then Trevor Lawrence, I don't know that Kellen Mond, for example, is up in this group. Yeah. I don't know that, that, you know, that Mills from Stanford is up in this group. I think it's pretty clearly five. And he said that he felt confident about that. They had to feel confident about at least three quarterbacks to make this move. And, and I think that that's that's exactly why you moved to three, because you're OK with with one of those three. And I think that already shows an evolution in his thinking. It's not one guy. It's like, I feel like these guys are in are in the 
the first group. And I'm okay with any one of those three guys. Like I can make any one of those three guys work, but you want an elite player. And these guys are in the elite realm and I want one of those guys, whomever falls to me, let's do it. And, and I mean, that that quote is so refreshing to hear. He Shanahan said explicitly, you want an elite player. And that's what we're going to try and find. Yes. And you hope that it's not Mac Jones, but that's for next week. <laughs> um, that's for next week. Yeah, yeah. I think like, right. Yeah, of course, you're going to three because you you think that you have the ability to get a special player, right? A, a guy that can really be around for a long time. And, and it is nice to see because of, you know, what we've, I think, become accustomed to with this regime in, in terms of identifying the one guy that I can only make it work with this one guy. And the fact that they feel like, okay, look, there, there is a group at the top here and, and there's like, you know, three of them that we feel really comfortable with and, and we can kind of, you know, make it work with any one of these guys. Right. I, I think that is a, a much better approach to take. Right. Because yeah, I mean, that's the, the reality, even though, you know, Trevor Lawrence may seem like the runaway number one right now. And, and we're obviously going to get to our thoughts on these, these two here. Like, these are just, you know, kind of our initial impressions, right. Based on their college tape, like it doesn't really mean anything, um, for, for their prospects, for their NFL career, right. Any one of these guys could end up being the best guy from this class. Yeah. And I think that the thing that bodes or the thing that we know about Shanahan, as we're piecing together, the type of quarterback that he wants, because everyone, they, they, they identify the fact that he wanted Kyle, that he wanted Kirk cousins. And, and that's, that's now the Shanahan archetype. And, and he spoke about this at, in the press conference a bit, and he talked about wanting an elite player. And, and he said that, you know, Elway was pretty talented, right? You want a talented guy. He's, he's name-checking players with, like, kind of ridiculous arm talent. And he talks about how you want this player to be elite with his arm from the pocket. And then if you need to, run around with off-schedule plays. That, that's the perfect mix. If you, if you can, then you have Patrick Mahomes. They name-check Mahomes specifically. Um, and he said that ultimately, though, you have to win from the pocket or it doesn't matter. We know that he likely wanted to draft or was very interested in Josh Allen. He said he was hoping Josh Allen would come out in 2017, didn't, and by that time they had Jimmy Garoppolo. So he likes that kind of big, toolsy player, even if they're a project. He did his most due diligence on Deshaun Watson, another player who successfully did some off-schedule stuff, but had a big arm and still won from the pocket. Um, and so I think when you look at the players that he's actually done research on, that he's actually thought about drafting, they're more in like the big quarterback toolsy bucket than they are in the Mitch Trubisky bucket because he could have drafted Mitch Trubisky. He could have done as much due diligence on, on Trubisky as he did Watson and didn't. And, and so, you know, we, we know that he also missed on Mahomes too, but I do think that if you're looking for the, the signal that Shanahan is sending you, he's saying you make this move because you want an elite player. That elite player has to have elite tools and so those are going to be some of the things that we're going to be looking at and focusing on as we look at these quarterbacks. And when we when we kind of put them out and, and put our preferences, it's not just going to be us. It's also going to be like, maybe this is what Shanahan is also looking for too. Yeah, so I think the the first thing that kind of stands out with, with both those, and this is often the first thing, you know, that we are looking at um, because I think it's one of the most important things that you need to be able to do consistently as, as a quarterback to have success at the NFL level, which is is accuracy. And I think... With these two specifically, um, I, I think really the accuracy on the stuff that's further downfield really stood out, right? I, I think they were both 
very accurate on, you know, the 10 plus stuff. So in the intermediate area, the deep area down the field on the 20 plus throws, um, just had a lot of, a lot of throws on their tape where they're just kind of on the money in that area. And I think when you look at, at the accuracy numbers, um, for this quarterback class in general, like these two are consistently, depending on how you kind of split it up are, are consistently at the top of the list in terms of accuracy based on, on the actual ball location of the throw and not just, you know, talking completion percentage or adjusted completion percentage or anything like that. But, but the actual ball location, um, that they're putting these things on, uh, that they're consistently at the top. And I think fields, especially actually. So I think fields from just an overall accuracy standpoint to all levels of the field is probably the most accurate passer consistently, you know, over the course of multiple seasons here, um, in this quarterback class. Um, and, and I think Wilson, it's really the deep stuff that kind of sets him apart though. It was really hard for me to not fall in love with Wilson when watching his tape. He was the one that I watched first and, and it was just like, I mean, throw after throw, with just pinpoint precision, he's throwing back shoulder, you know, kind of stop fades out to the sideline. He's throwing away from defenders leverage. He's throwing receivers open. It's not just accuracy. Like, did he complete the pass? It is. He is pinpointing away from the defenders leverage to give his receiver a chance to catch that ball. And he's doing it, you know, 30, 40 yards down the field. I mean, this dude is throwing opposite hash passes to the sideline which is really hard in college in college the 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 hashes are wider so the 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 wide side or the field side is just farther to go from the hash to the sideline and wilson's over here slinging these out routes or slinging these back shoulders with just ridiculous accuracy repeatedly it felt like in the first couple clips that we watched it was like oh there he goes again oh there he goes again oh there's another pinpoint pass i mean it really was especially in the intermediate and deep areas kind of ridiculous how accurate wilson was it was funny how often they i I feel like that's always like a pretty good measure for um arm strength in, in terms of how often their teams let them throw some of those like intermediate outbreaking stuff especially to to the far you know on the on the far side of the field so throwing opposite hash type stuff where you're you're really throwing the full width of the field almost you know in in some cases and i think when we were were watching wilson it was such a big chunk of the his overall throw volume right was was throwing these kind of like 10 to 15 yard outcuts and a lot of them being on the opposite hash, right? And I think when you look at it defensively at the college level, right, it's such a long throw that a lot of defenses, like, structure themselves in a way that they kind of give that up because they just don't think that, you know, 90% of the guys that they face during the, the the course of their schedule, like aren't going to be able to make that throw. And if they try to make it, you feel pretty confident that the guy has enough time to kind of be able to jump all over it. So, um, yeah, I think with, with Wilson, you can definitely see very easily, very, um, like right away, like how strong his arm is and just the, the ability, I think that, and the thing that really kind of sticks out with him over fields a little bit, cause I think fields also has a very strong arm, right? He, he makes all these same sort of throws, but Wilson can do it when things aren't pretty with his lower body, right? He can kind of make that off-platform stuff um, where if he's got a guy in his face or he's just kind of, because he's moving, if he's rolling rolling left, he doesn't need to have his feet perfectly set um, in in order to, to kind of make accurate throws down the field, which I think is a big thing. I remember when we talked to 
Zach Robinson, um, you know, a couple off seasons ago. And, and one of the things that he mentioned was, you know, consistency in the upper body um, is being kind of a key thing among a lot of very good, you know, consistently good quarterbacks. And I think that is something that Wilson shows, right? Because he can be consistent with his upper body, he doesn't need necessarily the lower body to always be in perfect position in order to make accurate throws. And the thing that's implicit between both of the thing that we're kind of implicitly saying here is that both of them have a really, really good arm. I was actually impressed with Fields' arm uh, and his arm strength because he doesn't, it doesn't look like he's putting a lot of effort into it. And then you're like, oh, that ball is 60 yards in the air. Cool. Uh, <laughs> and, and both of them had throws like that where you're, I mean, Wilson had a throw against Western Kentucky that was 65 yards in the air where it's a post route. And then he's like, nah, dude, break it back to the outside. And he points at him and then lets it rip. And and he throws the guy basically open to the outside. And it's from hash to the other corner of the end zone. It's 65 yards in the air at least. Um, it's It was ridiculous. And, and Fields has throws like that too, where he's you know kind of getting to the third read in a vertical progression. And he just throws a beautiful deep sideline pass that hits the guy in stride. This is having either one of them would add a vertical element that the Niners haven't had since pretty much Colin Kaepernick's like 2012 small sample of games where he went bonkers when he was throwing deep that that's about the last time the Niners have had something like that in their offense. It would be both of them would bring that kind of preternatural talent when it comes to throwing the ball and accuracy deep. Right. And and so I think like, yeah, looking at how that fits with what we we think that Shanahan wants right from his quarterback, I, I think they both kind of check that box of being able to throw from within the pocket accurately to open receivers. I mean, especially Fields, right? Like within the the Ohio State offense, I mean, he had just an absurd number of open throws um, because of not only the playmakers that they have kind of on the outside, but you know the the scheme they have is very good too, and and so they just do a good job. Of, of creating open throws. And so he has a lot of experience, you know, basically throwing to guys that are pretty fucking open. And, and so um, it's easy to see him, right, checking that box for, okay, Shanahan, he does the that kind of fundamental thing that I need. And then we can start looking at, okay, what do they add after that? Well, Fields, I think, has what, something like 600 attempts uh, in his career at Ohio State over three years. And he only has 54 tight window throws throughout his entire career. Like that's, that's basically what that tells you is that people are just running wide the hell open, whether it be scheme or, or talent. Uh, and he hasn't had to throw tight windows too often. I think that's where the, some of the anticipation stuff too, I think is, is interesting between the two. I think where, where they start to differ a little bit, or at least for me, where they started to differ in their throwing was really the anticipation. I saw Wilson make anticipatory throws fairly regularly. And that's not to say that I didn't see Fields make anticipatory throws. He really did. Um, but he was very much more like, okay, I got to see it and then throw it. And, and Wilson oftentimes was throwing the ball before the break. He was throwing the ball to a spot. He was throwing the ball with anticipation. Um, and and that was, I mean, it was really impressive. I thought his anticipation was really, really good. Justin Fields did have several throws where he threw with anticipation and threw to a spot. But a lot of times it was like, Okay, that guy just ran in front of it ran in front of that linebacker's face. Now he's wide open. Now I'm going to throw the ball, um, and he had the time to do it because you know he's playing at Ohio State and they've got really really good talent. But I, I did feel like Wilson was a, a tick better in terms of anticipatory throws than Fields was. Definitely, yeah. I I think from a timing perspective, right? Because a lot of times anticipation 
comes from, you know, there's, there's two factors. There, there's really kind of having the right timing in terms of your drop and, and what your, you know, the, the reads that you're getting to and, and kind of having that synced up with your footwork, right? So you, you, you get to the back of your drop, you should be looking at one receiver. And then when you hitch, that moves you to the next receiver and so on. And so having that timing, making sure that the ball is coming out to that receiver at the correct moment is going to be big. And then there's also, of course, like the the mental and the vision kind of aspect of it and, and seeing the defense correctly and, and making the right read and, and being able to throw to a guy who's about to become open and not waiting till he's actually open to throw that. And I think Fields, yeah, he he does seem a, a kind of a beat slow, right? There, there's always, uh, or not always, excuse me, but a, but a lot of times like, um, one extra hitch, right? If you would have thrown it a moment earlier, then, then, you know, it would have been an opportunity for his guy to, to be able to make a run after the catch and not leading him directly into a defender or something like that. Right. So I think it was just kind of always a, a beat slow, um, in, in just kind of the regular timing and in moving through his progressions. Whereas Wilson, yeah, you, you see him throw, I think a lot more frequently, with good timing and, and getting the ball out when it needs to. There's sometimes with the fields, a, uh, what what I call, and this is a, a proprietary term, I'm going to go ahead and patent this or trademark it or whatever you do to the thing that you want to do on t-shirts when you sell them. Uh, <laughs> he's got a lower body wind up. And like where sometimes it doesn't happen often, but sometimes he kind of takes these like these gallops where he brings his feet together before he gets them really big and throws it. And sometimes, you know, it, it makes sense because you're going to throw or you're about to uncork like a 60 yard pass. And, and that makes sense. But but sometimes it seems like he does that even when he doesn't need to. And and he ends up completing the pass. It's an accurate throw and, and he gets some yards, but it, it feels like he leaves some yards on the table when when he does that. And he kind of takes that extra step, lets the defender get a little closer um, and, and sometimes just ends up limiting the, the, the potential of the play. And, and I say that, you know, knowing that these are, these are not the, these are not big glaring issues. These are not like he always does it. It's like, he does it sometimes and, and he leaves some stuff on the table. Um, I, I would say in that regard, Wilson's probably a little bit better than him, um, because he does have some of the, that, those inefficient movements that sometimes, um, kind of add delivery and add time to what it is that he's doing completely coachable. And completely correctable because you see Fields do it in a very efficient motion other times on tape, and it's not a problem at all. Yeah, and I, I think like, and this is um, has been Mike Renner's um, kind of go-to stat in, in talking about Fields and his processing being maybe a touch slow, and in, in that he was basically one of the only quarterbacks um, in this class, if not the only guy. I think he's the only guy among you know kind of the the top draftable ones for sure um, that essentially saw his time to throw increase against the blitz. Right. And, and so typically what you see um, with the blitzes is, is the time to throw goes down. Right. So you, the defense, it makes sense. Like defense is bringing more rushers at you. They're removing guys from coverage. And so the way to beat that is to diagnose where the blitz is coming from, knowing where, you know, the weaknesses that they're now leaving because they're bringing those extra rushers and, and getting the ball out of your hands quickly. And uh, so you, you pretty much across the NFL see that with with quarterbacks, their time to throw goes down when they're blitz. His went up by like almost a half a second or something like that. And so it, it's, um, I think, speaks to him to two things. One, that processing being kind of a tick slow sometimes. And two, I think, and this gets into something that, I think is kind of a strength and something that he has over 
Wilson in a way, which is the athleticism, right? I, I think the way a lot of times you see him look to create out of structure and to, to kind of make these off script plays tends to be with his legs. Like he looks to you, you. We saw, I mean, there's so many snaps where he's like breaking tackles in the backfield to avoid sacks and carrying guys for several yards. Like um, th- there are things that he can do athletically with his legs that Wilson just doesn't bring to the table. And so I think that's part of just the way that fields game is right now. And, and that like when things kind of break down, you see Wilson, he he'll kind of, you know, look to evade guys, but it's always with a mindset that I'm going to get the ball out right as soon as I have the opportunity to fields can kind of go either way. Like, yeah, I'm not going to pull my eyes down completely. Right. And always look to run. But like, look, I'm I'm kind of bigger and stronger than a lot of these guys. and I'm more athletic than most of them. Like I can make some plays happen with my feet. And, and so I think it's it's both from the off script stuff. And then also when you start talking about, I think the run game, the designed run game specifically, and, and some of the things that we could see him do in a Shanahan offense, I think would would be very interesting. Yeah, we know you, you talk about design runs, and we know that Shanahan does think that design runs are structurally sound. He's said that several times. He doesn't think that NFL defenses have caught up to quarterback design runs. It's just that there's a, a limit to how often you can do that kind of stuff because you are exposing your quarterback to hits. And ultimately, if you don't play it right, you could end up with just a bad hit that ends up, I don't know, taking a quarterback out for a season and, you know, completely tanking that season's hopes. Uh, I'm sure he knows what that is like. But (laughs) I think that you you talk about the physical traits of fields. And we talked about how it does seem like Shanahan is chasing after traits. And if that's the case, I think you're absolutely right. Justin Fields fits more of that mold than Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is not a bad athlete. We've seen him scramble. We've seen him put a move on a safety and and almost break a tackle, right? He's not a bad athlete by any stretch, but he's not a bad athlete. I think like there are lots of other quarterbacks that can execute boot action and and not be a bad athlete, but you're not really expecting them to outrun, uh, you know, a, kind of a, a safety or a corner. And Justin Fields will outrun a secondary defender. He will outrun a wide receiver. He may be the fastest wide receiver on the team when you're looking at maybe Brandon Eggs probably faster, but like he he would he's just incredible and he accelerates really really quickly to the point where several times when we're watching him and you can attest to this David I'm like damn he's fast yeah like it, <laughs> like it just it involuntarily exited my body as I'm seeing him just get to top speed super quickly and and he and the other thing too is that he just he broke so many tackles when the pocket collapsed around him and he was able to create second chances in a way that Wilson I mean, we didn't get too many opportunities to see him do that just because he was only, he always had like a perfect pocket and there was no one in his face ever, in part because they faced like Texas State and his <laughs> offensive line was very good. But the it just the the ability for Fields to get out of uh, pressure when there's a, just a guy draped on him was very Josh Allen-esque. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, and he's, and he's a big guy like that too, right? I, I think... Um, yeah, I mean, you were talking to a, a guy that's 6'3", 228, like, and ran a 4'4", you know, it is, it is pro day today. So, like, he he's kind of a freakish. He's like a little bit Cam Newton-esque in that way, right? Just, I mean, a little bit smaller than Cam is because Cam's like a, a complete freak, but... Um, so he's, tw- he, he's a little twitchier than Cam, too. Yeah. And, and but it's, it's, he, he's built in a way that, that you're not really overly concerned about him, like taking a little bit of a beating, right? Like he, you know, with Cam, you're, you, you know, he's, don't get me wrong. Like Cam's had his, his share of injury issues because 
he's always been such a huge part of every running game that he's been in. And I don't know that you're going to, you know, necessarily the 49ers are going to want to use fields in, in quite that way. But, but I think the point is more that it just like, yeah, he can be a part of the designed run game. You don't have to hide him. You don't have to necessarily go out of your way to protect him because he, he does have a big body that can kind of take a little bit of that punishment, I think. Yeah. And I think if, if you're looking at fields and you're like, all right, what's, what's the biggest concern here is maybe just that, that sometimes you're a little bit slow on the processing side. I think with, with Wilson, you, you do have this kind of balancing of aggression with possession that is sometimes Wilson will tilt into the aggression category. And you're like, there's, there's a dude that's wide open running on the crosser on third down, or maybe it was fourth down the play that I'm thinking of. And he oh, completely, yeah. completely ignores that guy and tries to throw it like 15 yards further down the field to a guy that, you know, he probably can throw open. Uh, but it's like, sometimes you just got to take the, the gimme 12 yarder and not try <laughs> to go for the 20 yarder, you know? And, and, you know, there's, there's some people who love that about him. And, you know, that's why some people say that he's got, you know, a little, maybe Aaron Rodgers in him where he's always trying to hit that deep shot. But there is, there is a little bit of that kind of gunslinger mentality in him. And I don't, I don't think that, 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 turns itself into turnover worthy plays because his ability to to retain the ball or not put it at risk was still very very good but it, it's not but sometimes you're just like dude there's a guy who's literally waving his hand at you saying hello there's no one near me and you're over here trying to throw a back shoulder to a dude that's 15 yards further down the field <laughs> yeah i i think i mean it's always something guys with with big arms right it's always something i think you're um you're, you're wanting them to find, to straddle that line, right, between being overly aggressive and, and reckless, right? Um, and, and so I think, like, yeah, it can obviously go, you can go the Jameis Winston route where it's just, like, you just never really learn from that and you're just always going to be, you know, kind of taking the most aggressive approach and, and, like, yeah, that leads to some great throws, but it leads to a lot of dumb shit as well, right? Um, I don't think that we saw that level of, of kind of, recklessness with the ball right like you mentioned his turnover worthy play rate is is very low um and so it wasn't really putting the ball in harm's way that that is kind of the issue but yeah it is like and and the thankfully it's i think the type of stuff like i would rather have the guy who's a little over aggressive and and show him plays like that fourth down play that let's like look okay this is yes we want you to be aggressive most of the time but like understand the situation here, take the gimme, right? Let's move the chains and kind of keep this drive going. We, we don't need the home run right here, right? And, and so I think there are, those are little things that I feel like you can improve with coaching and experience and time, right? Whereas I feel like it's hard to, to coach aggressiveness into a guy. Like, like yeah. Alex Smith has just kind of been Alex Smith, right? He's just kind of, that's how he operates. I think Jimmy is in, in a lot of ways kind of like that. I mean, he, don't get me wrong, he has his, his lapses in terms of putting the ball in harm's way, but he's not, it's not usually because he's being too aggressive. I mean, he throws the ball, um, you know, heavily into the short areas. He has a low average depth of target. Um, I, I feel like it's hard to add that to a guy's game where I feel like you can, you can work over time to kind of tame it down and, and harness that a little bit because you never want to take it away. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes and is the best quarterback in the NFL right now because of the risks that he takes, right? Because he has this absurd arm and he can make these absurd throws and that creates chances for his offense that just aren't there with basically every other quarterback in the NFL. So like Wilson has that kind of element, right? He has that kind of arm talent 
there that that you want him to to do those things you want to encourage that but yeah you want to find that line of like okay know the situation know what's going on know when we just need to take the gimme and not look for that big play the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think that it's harder to evaluate fields because of the offense that he played with at Ohio State? I mean, I mentioned that he only had 54 tight window throws in his entire career, you know, somewhere north of 600 attempts at Ohio State. They're, they are beyond college open. You know, their offense is just really, really good. And and so you're just like, you know, I don't know if that's going to be something that translates to uh, to the NFL level when corners are much better and corners are closer to the individual wide receivers that you're, worried, that you're actually trying to throw to. Is, is that something that makes the eval for Justin Fields a little bit more difficult? It is, but I think like, you know, you get a little of that with basically everyone. I mean, like even going to Trevor Lawrence, right? Like Trevor Lawrence is going against um, the fucking ACC defenses that he's playing against that aren't any good, that they're just kicking the shit out of every single week, right? And so he's he's got a, a talent discrepancy there that it's just ridiculous and makes his life easier. I mean, same thing with Mac Jones and, uh, you know, Alabama. Obviously the, the offensive talent that they have there is ridiculous. And so I think like, and then with Zach Wilson, it's more of the 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 competition level thing, right? So I think it, it's like he's going up against guys like, you know, defenses like Troy and, and Louisiana Tech and Texas State, like that aren't exactly producing NFL talent on the defensive side of the ball, right? So I think they all have something like that. And I think it's just part of the college evaluation, right? Like ultimately what you're trying to do is is trying to narrow in on the things that we do know translate right i think accuracy translates i think you can find even if he doesn't have a ton of them you you do look at the more nfl-esque throws and say okay when he was given the opportunity to make those did he do it um and and so i think you just try to focus on the right things and then and you know with some of them yeah you don't get as much as you would like and i think with fields like having something like only 54 completions into tight windows like yeah it's not a huge sample and and it doesn't like make you feel great about that aspect but it's kind of, yeah, you just got to work with what you've got. And the other question for Fields is is really the question of what happened in his bad games against uh, you know, Indiana and Northwestern. Those are the two games where you're like, you know, if, if you're a Justin Fields hater, you're like, these are the two games where it's like, look, it's Northwestern and Indiana, and, you know, he can't do it in, in those games. So, you know, well, can't, can't trust him. Can't trust him in the NFL. Um you know, I don't know. I, I don't think that those any individual game should define that player's career because then against Clemson, which you know is were largely considered to be one of the best defenses and a really complicated and pressure heavy defense to go up against, he completely shredded him and destroyed him uh, and played probably one of the best games of his career. And then what had like six six touchdowns in that game, um, and and those games in, in the Clemson, th- those throws in the Clemson game were like deep corner let's just go ahead and chuck these bombs down the field type of throws where they were they were pretty they were beautiful beautiful throws um so you know so like what what would you say for someone who's like you know well he had those two bad games his tape is terrible um you know give me give me someone else 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would say, like, show me a guy that doesn't have a couple bad games. Like, you know, Trevor Lawrence had, um, you know, his share of shitty games. He had a bad game against Miami this year. Like, he wasn't great against NC State. Um, you know, they're, those, those games are going to be in there for any college quarterback, right? I think Zach Wilson is no different. Like, he had a, a, a kind of a mediocre game against Houston, you know, this year. And, and he only has, like, the one year of a really strong play, right? Because of the injuries that he dealt with, um, in, in 2019, especially. So yeah, I, I think like you can always point to one or two games where a guy like just wasn't at the top of his game, right? Just didn't play his best for, for whatever reason. Um, and that's why I think you find the importance of, of looking at the full picture, right? Like every throw counts, every throw matters in terms of your evaluation. Um, you can't kind of focus in on, on just a handful of games because you're going to miss things. You're going to have an incomplete picture. Um, and, and so I think with fields, especially like, yes, he had a, a couple of, uh, games that weren't up to his typical standard this year, but he has a body of work over two full seasons as the starter at Ohio state. Um, that's pretty fucking good. And, and that, that shows and that he belongs that, as an elite prospect. That for me is so, is so important because I think everyone hemmed and hawed about Deshaun Watson. And, and Deshaun Watson was the third quarterback taken in that class. I actually think I got it wrong on the emergency bot. I thought Mahomes was the third uh, quarterback taken, but he was taken second after uh, Mitsubishi Trubisky. And, and then Watson came out third in that class. And it just now looking back on it, it's like, guys, over two seasons, he was one of the best quarterbacks in college football. And he did it at a really, really high level in playoff games against, you know, Alabama defenses, you know, and went one and one. And, and it's one of those things where it's just like, Sometimes people overthink it. And Justin Fields, to me, is one of those players where it's like, maybe people are overthinking it because we've got all this time. He's got two full seasons of really, really good elite level, like just traits and everything you want out of a quarterback at this level. And it's like, yeah, the dude's fucking good. And, and you know, similarly, I think there's questions about uh, Justin Fields and, or Justin Fields, uh, about Zach Wilson and whether or not you know, like what's going to happen when he actually has bodies around him in the NFL because he never had bodies around him in college. He had all day to throw in college. And and he did run a, a system that was very, very similar to what the Niners run. But it's like, but maybe that's just what he is. And maybe you only get elite Wilson if he's got that much time to throw. And if he doesn't have that much time to throw, then, you know, maybe you, you see something else. Well, you see fields with like bodies around him, shedding tackles, making off-platform throws, doing all the things that you do and he's done it for longer than Wilson has. Um, you know, it just, it's one of those things where it's like, maybe just like, don't overthink it. Yeah. I, and I think it's tough, like with, with fields too, because he's been in the conversation for longer, right? Like he's been kind of a top, right. He's like right there with Lawrence. I mean, him and Lawrence came in as the same recruiting class. They were the number one and number two, um, you know, recruits in that class. And, and they were, incredibly like highly touted. I think um, I saw a note in the the PFF draft guide from Renner that like they're actually the t- still the second and third highest recruits that 24-7 sports has ever had. Like Vince Young is the only guy that that is basically a higher rated recruit in their composite score um, than those two guys. And so he's kind of been in this position where he's been expected to be this top five pick for a while. He's been in that conversation. And Zach Wilson is a guy that kind of came out of nowhere, right? He He really was this unheralded guy, like he, he he played decently as a freshman and then had injury issues in his sophomore season. So he kind of wasn't really on that radar. And then a lot like Joe Burrow just kind of like 
burst onto the scene during his fi- final college season, right? So I, I think like he's got a little bit of that um, freshness to him, like just to talking about him because guys aren't kind of tired of talking about him yet. Um, that, that makes him maybe more appealing to some, but yeah, I think we're getting to a point quickly where fields has kind of become, I think, underrated as a prospect in this class. All right. So I'll ask you two questions as we round out the discussion here on, on the quarterbacks. One, if you were to try to describe the style of each quarterback, how would you describe their styles? Because, you know, we know that styles are relatively sticky. If a quarterback is kind of a a gunslinger, he tends to be that over the course of his career. You know, you were talking about Alex Smith and how he generally is very safe. Well, safe quarterbacks tend to stay safe. How would you describe the style of each of these quarterbacks? And then which one would you prefer if you're the general manager of the 49ers picking at three, knowing that this quarterback has to fit in Nikhil Shanahan's offense? So I think like, I mean, with, with Wilson, because of some of the throws that he makes off platform and the angles that he gets some of the stuff out, I, I mean, it's hard not to compare him to like, and, and I'm not saying that he's going to be this caliber of player, but for, stylistically, like Mahomes is the guy that kind of, it reminds you of on some plays, right? Some of his best plays, um, it, it, it's just really looks a lot like Mahomes, right? Like I, I think it's, he even has a no look pass. It was a no look shovel. But it's a no-look pass nonetheless. Yeah. Like, there's just kind of... I, I think it, it comes down to, um, you know, the ability, like you mentioned, to to get the ball out accurately, kind of no matter the situation that he's in and, and no matter the body position that he's in. Um, and, and I think that he's always looking to create... Um, you know, big plays in those situations when, when he does get off script, you know, and, and things break down and he's getting out of the pocket. Um, he's looking for those big plays downfield, which, which is, you know, something that I think Mahomes does pretty consistently. Like once you kind of get out of the pocket there, he's looking to take that deep shot a lot of the time. And, and so I think, yeah, stylistically, and it's, I think from a mobility standpoint, you know, similar, right? Like, um, Mahomes, like, you know, he, he kind of sneaks up on you. I, I mean, Salah mentioned, you know, like, don't let the old man trot fool you. Like, he can kind of run a little bit. Like, Wilson might not have quite that much in him, but he he can move, right? He can move around plenty enough to create, uh, you know, off structure in the passing game and, and like, do the things that he needs to do in, in that regard. Like, he's certainly not a statue that's just going to be confined to the pocket. Um, he, he's got enough athleticism there to kind of get the job done. So I think, yeah, stylistically there, um, that's kind of the, the thing that comes to mind for me. And then I think with fields, I mentioned it already a little bit earlier. Like, I feel like he's kind of like, he's a more accurate Cam Newton is really like, but the style that he runs with, um, you know, and, and the, the, how much he breaks tackles and kind of sheds guys and uses that strength, um, a lot in, in the way that he kind of wins as a runner. Um, I think is very Cam Newton-esque, and, but he, he is a much better passer, I think, than than Newton has been consistently. Like, Newton has really struggled with accuracy, and, and Fields is probably the most accurate passer in this class. Yeah, and so for me, I, I didn't go with a player comp because I think that player comps oftentimes will, will paint that person, and I think in this case, if you're thinking of like, yeah, Mahomes versus Cam Newton, of course everyone's going to take Mahomes over Cam Newton, right? Yeah. So I, I would take, uh, you know, r- removing the kind of the player comparison and just like, what is their play style? For me, I would put Fields as kind of a pocket general where he commands a lot of what's going on there 
and and he he does win from the pocket and wins from that pocket very very well. I mean, you look at the number of of air yards that he gets or, or percentage of total yards that were from the pocket, and and uh, or rather, it's the inverse. It's the percent of total passing yards that were from RPOs and screens. So basically, some of the design stuff that you. Uh, that you don't necessarily th- th- think is going to be indicative of play-to-play quarterback greatness. And Justin Fields had the lowest with 8.5%, meaning that a lot of his yards came through the air. It was going to be, you know, it, it, it's good. That's ultimately what you want, because if you get a quarterback with a lot of yards via screens or just designed RPOs, well, when you've got to read a full field defense and you're going to be like, okay, what am I going to do here? It's the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl and, and the shit's really hitting the fan. You want to be able to actually get those yards. And so I think that while we talk about Fields' performance as a runner and compare him maybe to Cam Newton, I still think he's he's a pocket general. He's going to command that offense from the pocket. And he's and I call him a general because George Washington is a big ass dude. And, and I think that Fields is also <laughs> a big ass dude. And, and he you just people bounce off of him. And it's ridiculous. And he's very, very fast and he's very, very good. Uh, and so I would say that he's he's a pocket general. When it comes to to Wilson, to me, he is a sharpshooter. Like he is able to be deadly accurate at long distances. And, and you know, I, I considered calling him kind of a gunslinger because I do think he's got that gunslinger element to him. And and I think that what he is able to do with his arm uh, is is great. Sometimes he trusts it too much, gets his wide receivers in trouble sometimes too, uh, serves up some, hop- some hospital passes. But but that's how I would kind of put him. I'd put him as a sharpshooter and, and fields as the pocket general. And and which one, I guess, which one would you prefer for Shanahan's offense? Would you prefer Wilson or would you prefer Fields? I think from, so so I think first from like uh, just how they would fit in the offense and, and the like success, like whether the, there is some sort of element there within their games that would lead them to have success in, in Shanahan's offense, I think either of them would would be fine and would be very successful um, doing what what Shanahan would ask of them? Which and, one would you prefer, David? Stop hedging. We know we love no, them not, both. No, I'm not going to hedge. Yeah, no, no. I definitely have a, a preference, and there's a there's a, a guy that I'm going to go. But but I think like yeah, it's not a an either or situation. I guess is what I'm I'm trying to say. Like, um, but Wilson is is really the guy stylistically for me, um, that just that just does it for me. And yeah, I think like his game is just kind of like everything that I love about watching quarterbacks play. And I think he just is a lot of fun to watch. He does a lot of special things like the way that he kind of creates outside of the pocket. Um, I, I think is, is just a lot of fun and is very effective. And and I think when you have a guy that can just make all of those throws and, and just is like willing to kind of let it rip downfield a little bit and, and take some chances, like it's just such a huge thing for your offense. Like it, it just makes you feel like, you're never kind of fully out of it, you know, like there, there's always a chance because this guy can always kind of create these sort of big plays. And, and so I think, um, yeah, stylistically, I definitely lean um, towards towards Wilson there. I would be so excited if uh, if Fields were the pick for the Niners just because of what he can do, what his arm would bring to the offense um, and really overall the the traits that hopefully a, a quarterback friendly offense could really bring to the fore that that would be awesome i think to watch in shanahan's offense that being said i wholly agree with you zach wilson was the guy that for me is just like yeah this is this is awesome i love watching this to me it was really about the anticipation it was the anticipation on the ball location and, and again it's not to say that fields doesn't have it um I, I think there there are people that you know in the twitter sphere that are like you know fields is, is bad and he's not good no he's like i think that fields is one of the top quarterbacks in this class and if he went in the top five, I think he deservedly so goes there based on what he's shown on tape. 
Uh, but but I do think for me, Zach Wilson's the guy who does it. When when you look at the when you look at just his ability to throw with anticipation and throw accurately, like he was consistently throwing his receivers open. And to and he was consistently making just these ridiculous, like you should not be able to the college quarterbacks don't make that throw. Like he was making Sunday throws on Saturday uh, or on Friday or whatever the hell day of the week he was playing because he was playing <laughs> Coastal Carolina on like a Thursday night randomly for some freaking reason. Um, and and it just, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, he's the guy that does it for me. That being said, I would be very excited if the Niners drafted Justin Fields as well. It, it Maybe because Zach Wilson is, is gone or maybe because that's just the guy that Shanahan picks. I think both of them would up-level the quarterback play in San Francisco. Right. I think that's like the big thing, right? Is like each of them bring uh, brings elements to their game that like the 49ers don't currently have at the quarterback position, right? That they are going to bring tools to the table that they don't currently have right now. And I think with Fields too, I think there's something to be said. I mean, we know that that Shanahan is never going to, you know, abandon the run game, right? That, that the run game is always going to be a focal point of his offense. And I, and I think we, we know that he's so good at scheming up little details in the run game. And I, I I think there's part of me that like, is like Justin Fields would do one. I mean, we know like from watching the Ravens, right. And I don't think Fields is like Lamar Jackson esque, um, an element there is, is a runner, but, uh, we know that quarterback runs are always going to be more efficient. And when you have a threat to run at the quarterback position, that makes the entire running game more efficient. And so I think when you combine just that basic fact of like having a running quarterback is good for your running offense with the fact that they have a coach who maybe is the best in the NFL at scheming up the run game already and the things that he does to kind of create numbers advantages in, in smaller areas and, and just to kind of out leverage the defensive front, um, having a running quarterback built into that just makes that job so much easier and, and gives him so many more options. So I think that part uh, has to be pretty enticing for him. And, and we know that these runs are in Shanahan's playbook. I mean, he ran the the whole Matt Canada quarterback power shovel toss that that is he ran it with Matt Ryan in in 2016 when you know it was part of the red zone package where it's basically a quarterback power um, option. But instead of having a quarterback run that option, you shovel it to a tight end or a fullback who's running that inside running lane and then having your, your kind of running back run the outside. So we know that this is in his toolkit. It happens. It's there. And having a quarterback who can actually do it would be a really interesting red zone threat. Now, if you're thinking of the, the, what's the one concern for each of these guys, let's say the Niners draft Wilson or the Niners draft field, Fields, you're thinking to yourself on draft day, okay, this is the one thing I'm going to watch because this is the one concern for each individual player. What is it? Um, so I think with fields, um, you know, we, we've definitely hit on it. I think it's, it's the processing, right. And, and it's, um, can he speed that up a little bit and, and get his timing down and more consistent. Right. So I think that's kind of, um, number one there, like when, and it's, it's mostly going to show up, right. I think a lot of times, um, within Shanahan's offense, and, and this was the case at Ohio state as well. Like a lot of times, the, the first guy you're looking at is open and you're just going to throw it to him. And if you can throw it to him accurately, you're going to have a lot of success, right? It, it's kind of more in the situations where that guy isn't open and, and you got to move on to your second and third receivers in the progression. Timing becomes very important there and, and late throws 
um, can lead to, to some mistakes. And, and so I think um, that was the case for Fields a, a few times. I mean, there was, you know, some throws where it was like, oh, man, he should have thrown it like way back here and now um you know when he's actually letting it go that's given the defender a chance to kind of close and make a play on it and and so that's where kind of some of his um mistakes came from and and that's only going to be exacerbated when you get to the nfl level and, and get to those defenses there so i think that's the main thing with him with with wilson i think it comes down to him being kind of untested uh against pressure right and and him being uh having a lot of his games that were basically seven on sevens and and him just kind of chilling back in the pocket. The one thing, so, and it's not just the, the fact that he's not pressured a lot, I think. Um, and this was something that uh, I think Baker Mayfield had to deal with and still kind of deals with at times. And, and some of the Kyler Murray as well, because of it at Oklahoma, they get they don't get pressure for a different reason because they see a lot of three-man pass rush, right? So the quarterbacks that have been in that system under Lincoln Riley, um, kind of have the same sort of thing going on with a lot of their snaps where they just have all day to sit back there in the pocket and and find an open guy and the tendency with those guys is to kind of drift backwards you know I just I have all of this space and and I have all of this room to move around and so you just kind of end up with this tendency that I'm going to drift backwards a little bit and keep kind of moving into open space and you see that at times with Wilson where it's just like his tendency when he's at the top of his drop is to just kind of sit there and kind of float backwards a little bit. And and that's going to get you into trouble um, when you need to be a little bit more structured with your drops, making sure that you're stepping up at the pocket uh, at the NFL level, because it's going to, it's going to fuck the angles for your tackles and you're going to have those NFL edge rushers all over you. Right. And it's going to lead to some bad plays. And so I think for him, just consistently getting rid of that tendency to drift backwards, making sure that he's firm in the pocket, stepping up, where where he's actually protected at um, is going to be the main thing for him to work on. I'm so happy you mentioned that that bit about Zach Wilson because you're absolutely right. That's what I would be worried about too. Is that he he may crumble under pressure because we haven't seen him you know get you know 25 of his snaps under pressure, which is what would be a fairly decently good offensive line in the NFL. And and that's not where he was at at BYU, and that's not what made him super duper successful. And and that drifting in the pocket was something that didn't wasn't a problem because there was no one around him. So he had all the time in the world to drift to 10 yards when it should have been, you know, more of a seven yard drop. And, and that's the kind of stuff that results in a sack in the NFL when it wouldn't have been a sack in college. And you're like, why, you know, what's the issue? Why is this guy getting sacked so often? It's because he doesn't have that kind of pocket discipline. I do think fields has better pocket discipline than Wilson, even though they both move well in the pocket and Fields does step up in the pocket better, I think, than Wilson. Wilson's more likely to bail out to, to the sides. But similarly, I do think it's that processing that worries me about, about Fields. If, if he's going to stare down receivers in college, they're still going to be open. If he stares down a receiver in the NFL, that, that may be an interception or it may be a pass breakup where it would have been a complete pass in, in college. So th- those would probably be the things that I would watch as well. Um, but... Those are the the things in the back of my mind. If either one of these players get drafted by the Niners, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm I'm very yeah. very excited. Absolutely. Like yeah, I I think like the fact that that it seems likely that they will have the ability to take one of these two players um, is is very exciting. I think like gives them a ceiling at this position that they just simply have not had in in a very long time. 
Yeah, because the other thing that I mean, everyone is kind of presuming Wilson at two to the Jets, and and that may be the case, but but I think everyone thinks that because of the same reason that we arrived at Zach Wilson is as kind of our favorite of the two by a hair, and, and that's because he fits a lot of what Shanahan wants to do, and Lafleur is going to run effectively the Shanahan offense in in New York. But who knows, man? Mike Lafleur might have his own ideas about quarterbacking, and he may want to run more options. Yeah, you know, more zone reads and more quarterback runs than Shanahan ever did. And now he's like, I'm freed. I am free. Yep. I can draft fields and I can do what I want within the Shanahan system and do all <laughs> the things that Shanahan told me that I shouldn't or couldn't do. Um, you know, and so it may be that Zach Wilson does become available at three. And if that's the case, that would be great. Um, you know, but I, I think if it sounds like the, the chalk, the odds on favorite is that Wilson goes to and if that leaves Fields at three for the Niners, that's still a really good result. I still think that that's a great trade, all things considered, if they get a prospect like Fields. Yeah, like, I, I think that's what it comes down to, right? Is like, okay, the the seeming, like, worst case scenario here as far as, like, these two players specifically, right? What we're saying is is the slightly lesser option in Fields is still a guy that would be a top prospect in basically any draft, right? Like you're not going up there and there's, there's a lot of, you know, I've seen a lot of sarcastic comments as far as like, Oh, the 49ers gave up all these picks and they're going to get the third best quarterback. And it's like, well, the reality is like, we don't know which of these guys is going to end up being the best quarterback. And they're all from a prospect standpoint, very good, right? That the guys that we're talking about right now um, would be at the top of, of basically any single draft class. And so you're not going up there and getting, uh, you know, a lesser, like you're not going up there to get Jake Locker or Blaine Gabbert, right? Like these guys, as far as prospects are concerned, uh, are, are much better than those type of players. That's a Blaine Gabbert to you, sir. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. I, uh, sent you a Justin Fields edit earlier today. Saw that. Uh, it is, you know, I'm looking at, at Fields in, in Niner and Niner red looks better than Ohio state red. Um, because one of those reds is good. The other is not, uh, I'll let you decide which is which, uh, so I, I'm excited, man. Both of these guys are really, it was fun to watch their tape. It was fun to break them down. Uh, and we're going to do it again next week, but we're going to do it with Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Uh, we will also have our breakdowns of these players on the Patreon here up in the next uh, week or so. And we've also got our free agent breakdowns of Alex Mack and, Samson uh, Ebukam up on the Patreon already. So if you haven't checked out the Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash better rivals. David, that's where they can find you, right? That's about the only place that you're going to find me right now. Yeah, here on the pod and on the Patreon. Um, and yeah, we're, we're kind of, you know, we once the trade happened, uh, we had to kind of pivot a little bit with our, our pre-draft approach here. And so we're going heavy in on these quarterback options, um, which is going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, we'll have breakdowns on on all of these top guys that are going to be in consideration there at the number three pick on the patreon um you know over the course of the next couple of weeks here as we get really ready to go for draft season and and it's going to be i think it's great right i mean it's it's uh you know obviously you can still learn stuff listen to us talk i hope um about them on the podcast but it certainly helps when you have those visual examples to kind of lean on so we can really kind of show you those specifics as to what we're talking about, what we're seeing when we watch these guys. And you can always find me on Twitter at better rivals, basically making predictions for everything and then deleting tweets that are no longer relevant, uh, <laughs> which is funny. So I, I did, I borrowed a page from Seth, a uh, friend of the pod, Seth Galina, 
and he basically tweeted out like, you know, so-and-so is, is going to be the first pick in the draft or the best prospect. And then he tweeted out like every quarterback and was like, I'm going to delete one of these and I'm going to look like, I'm going to delete all of them that are wrong and look like a genius. So I took the same, I took the advice and I was like, all right, Mac Jones is definitely going to be the 49ers pick at three. And then right after that, I tweeted, Mac Jones is definitely not going to be the pick at three. And, and then I tweeted out after that, like, you know, I'm going to delete one of these tweets and look like a genius. Dude, th- like... This is a fun experiment in what people see and what they don't. Because <laughs> there are a lot of people that saw one of those tweets and not the other. Oh, and there are a lot of and there are a lot of those people that tweeted both and were like, you know, oh, hedging your bets, huh? And it's like, yeah, dude, it's a joke. Read the very next tweet. Um, but just as, as a quick check-in, as an informal poll, <laughs> the, ni- the tweet that said the Niners are going to pick Mac Jones has four retweets and 93 little hearts the likes if you will the tweet that says that the Niners will not pick Matt Jones Mac Jones has 38 retweets and 912 likes I think there's a clear favorite there as far as the the path and and look you know I don't want to I don't want to spoil the next week's episode but um it's gonna take a little bit I think you know I'm, I'm trying to obviously go into uh to Mac Jones tape this weekend probably with uh with an open mind and and look to be proven wrong but um yeah i i I, uh am not at this moment feeling like that would be a great path for them it's gonna be squishy david but i'm i'm leaving my mind open uh leaving my mind open to mac daddy jones Uh, i'm gonna cue up the mac dowels jokes uh, they got the golden arches. We got the golden arcs. Find a way to, to slip in a few of these coming to America references, but you'll see. You'll see. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, go Niners. <laughs>